Good morning, church. It's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, glad to see that if you traveled, you made it back safe, and I I'm, I'm hope you guys enjoyed the, the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, like Pastor Brad said, I get to uh, wrap up this Holy Spirit uh, series, and so I'm honored to be able to do that. I'm glad to be able to give Pastor Brad a, a good, you know, a week off just as we prep for the Christmas season. As you can see, things are transitioning here, looking very, very Christmassy, right? And uh, I'm excited for what we're going to be hear th hearing through the Christmas season about just the amazing gift that God has given us in the person of Jesus Christ, right? So this morning, uh, if you have your Bible, would you open it to Romans chapter chapter 8. That's where we're going to be spending most of our time this morning. And so if you have your Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be talking about this um, really important dynamic uh, in relation to the Holy Spirit. One of these dynamics that I think can often just be overlooked. And for me, it was a pretty big realization in my life with Jesus. And so before we get in, I just want to ask you guys a question like, have you guys ever had a like game-changing realization or a life-altering realization, like on a, on a minimal scale, maybe it's within sports, maybe you're doing something athletic, and it was just this realization that like, oh man, if I just put my foot here, it's like this game-changer, right? Um, well, I've recently started playing pickleball, okay? So do I have any people who like, they're like, what is pickleball? I had somebody after first service like, what is pickleball? What are you talking about? It's only the fastest growing sport in the U.S. right now. Come on, guys. But anyway, um, so I just started playing pickleball, right? And I'm, I, I show up with, you know, Brad and, and Brian and Tyler and these guys. I don't know what they thought, like when I said I play pickleball, if they thought like, oh, he must be good. So they felt like they needed to play a few rounds before they played with me because they're like, we need to get ready to play Jeremy. I'm like, guys, I'm really not that good. I just like to, to play, right? And so we show up for the first time and we're playing. These guys are animals. I'm like, you had nothing to worry about. You guys are obviously way better than me, but that's cool. I like hanging out with you guys. And so we're playing pickleball. And then the second time I show up, Tyler notices something. He's like, Jeremy, it's like you just, it's like you showed up to actually play this time. I was like, well, thank you for the compliment. Last time I know was not very good. And this time, like, it's like you actually showed up to play, but it's because I had this realization and it was this, I'm tall, right? <laughs> and they're like, you didn't know you're tall. I'm like, well, I know I'm tall, but you know what I'm talking about? Like the fact that I'm tall means that when I swing at the ball, I have to squat down a little bit more. Something that simple, right? And so I'm going, it was a game changer for me. I still am not very good, but it's a game changer. So this is kind of what I'm talking about. These, these realizations that you have, maybe it was on a bigger scale. Maybe it was on more of like a monumental scale, like a life-altering realization. Maybe you realize something about your family dynamics. Some of us have this as adults looking back at our childhood and we're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I just realized this about my parents or about my family dynamics. That It's like this game changer in the way that you live your life right? It might be something in relation to uh, relational dynamics. Maybe you're realizing like if you're a high school and you're dating somebody, you're like, I realized something about you and we probably should not date anymore, right? Like you just have these, these realizations that you're like, this is a game changer. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys about this morning 
is this really big realization that I had in my life that I think the Apostle Paul actually wants every single believer to have in their life. And it changes the way that you relate to God and the world around you. That's what I want to talk about with you this morning in Romans chapter 8. So before we jump in, Um, I want to remind us of this diagram that Pastor Brad brought up, and it's this really great diagram that illustrates what happens to us when we're born naturally, and then when we are born again by the Spirit of God. And in in this series, he described this diagram where we, when we are born, we are born in what is called the realm of the flesh, right? Where I am just kind of following my animal instincts. I'm following the desires of my, my, my flesh. And really, I, I don't have this awareness or even care for the things of God. And that's kind of the, the course I'm walking in. And then God in his grace draws you and calls you and leads you to an understanding of who he is and what he's done for you. And for those of us in this room who have experienced this, where we go, man, I see, I've seen that in this realm of the flesh, I've actually been walking away from and actively rebelling against the God of who created me and loves me. And, and you understand, like, Jesus, you paid for my sin. And when we, the moment we believe that and receive that and, and bow our knee to Jesus, there's this amazing thing that happens where the Bible describes you are taken from what the Bible calls the kingdom of darkness, which is this realm of the flesh. You're plucked out and you are put into the realm of the spirit. And now all of a sudden you find where you had this natural bent in towards yourself and away from God. Now it's like, wow, it's, it's crazy. It's like I have this now new bent towards God and even towards other people and in caring for people. And that's because God has taken you out of the kingdom of darkness and placed you into the realm of the spirit. But in this in-between time, while we're waiting for Jesus to come back, this middle circle, it describes kind of the life that we're in right now. And it's a, there's a real war. <laughs> Can you guys like, you agree with that? Like the life I live in Christ, there is this warfare dynamic that goes on. And sometimes it can be really hard in living this life in this war. And, and so within this category, this is who I'm talking to this morning. People who are in Christ, who are dealing with this war, who've been in the battle. And I want you to realize something, and we'll get to that in just a minute, okay? So this diagram is a very, very important diagram as we move forward. But one of the first things that I want to point out before we get into Romans chapter 8 is that Paul, he does this with believers that he talks to. In the letters that he wrote, what he does is he actually categorizes categorizes people. And I know that we're like, you know, don't put a label on me. You can't categorize me. Um, But Paul just did this. It was one of the things that he did. And it helped him to know how to address the audience that he was, you know, talking to. And I'll give you an example of of how he did that in just a second. But before we move into that, I just want to remind us about something, okay? Remind us of something real quick. Um, In this war that we live out right here, in this war, Paul says something very important in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. This is the chapter that we are finding ourselves in. He says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. He says, you, and he's talking about believers in Christ, okay? He says, 
But you, when he's talking about this realm of the flesh and the inner workings of it and how it works and how it's contrary to God, he, he, he says, but, but I want you to know something very important. If you're a believer in Christ, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are not controlled by that. It does not have the final word. What Jesus did for you on that cross was to render the power of sin dead in your life. This is what Paul is reminding the Romans and what we need to be reminded of as we move forward. You are not controlled by the sinful nature. If you are in Christ, you are controlled by the spirit. If you have the spirit of God living in you. And some of you need to hear that this morning as we move forward. You who have the Spirit of God have the ability to be controlled by the Spirit of God and no longer have to bend the knee to the power of sin in your life. Okay, and so within, this is who I'm talking to. You have the Spirit of God, okay? And now Paul created these categories for um, Christians as he would talk to them. And I want to give you an example of, of this, okay? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, we see him do this actively as he's writing to the Corinthians. He says this, I, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, right? And so you see these categories that he's creating. He's saying, look, there are spiritual people and he's not saying they're perfect people, but what he is saying is there are a, there is a category of, of Christian that imperfectly, but yet progressively is in this focusing on this realm of the spirit and they're pursuing Jesus and they got their mind focused on that. And then there's this other category of, of believer. Notice he says, what does he say about them? That last word in bold, they are infants in Christ. They are in Christ. And that's important to point out. But he says to them, I can't talk to you as these, as spiritual people. I have to address you as people of the flesh, infants in Christ. And it's like, what he's saying is like the way that you are functioning I, by faith, know you're in Christ. And Paul led these guys to Christ. He planted this church and he knows that they're in Christ. And he says, by faith, I know you're in Christ. Okay. I'm believing that for you and about you. But what I have to do is address you as if you are in the world, because that's the way it looks. That's the way it looks. Right. And so Paul is creating these categories. He's saying there are uh, spiritual people imperfectly, but progressively like focusing on Jesus and pursuing Jesus. There are people that are just look like they're still of the nature of the world, but they've professed faith and they are infants in Christ. And so Paul is creating these categories. I wanted to show this to you. And there's a couple other categories that he brings up as well. It's in Romans chapter 15, a couple other categories. Okay. And he says this about the Romans in chapter 15. He says, we who are strong, Paul is putting himself in that category, saying, I'm a, I'm, I would consider myself one of these imperfectly but, but progressive growing Christians further along in my walk, in my Christian journey than other people. And he says, we, I'm not alone in this. There are people in this congregation in Rome, people in this congregation here in Nevada that are strong Christians are strong. And he says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. 
We have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And what he's talking about, the weakness that he's talking about are these newer kinds of believers and maybe even believers who've been like, they've known the Lord for a while, but in their conscience, it's like their conscience is always condemning them. Have you ever had that experience? Like, even if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, it's like your conscience is so sensitive that it's like, I don't know what's right, wrong, good, bad, ugly, or what. And it's like, I have this ultra sensitive uh, conscience. And this is what Paul is saying. There is a category of, of, of believer that is actually weak in their conscience. And we who are strong, we need to walk with them. We need to bear with them. We need to hear them. We need to build them up. I know that this was me, right? When I first came to know the Lord and in some areas still is me, right? Where the the bombardment of voices in my brain can lead me to question all sorts of things about God, Jesus, the gospel, uh, spiritual things. And in there, there are some ways in which I can feel like I am a weak Christian. And I need somebody who is stronger than me to help me to speak certain kinds of things to me. I know when I was a brand new believer, I didn't know my head from a hole in the ground, right? As far as right and wrong. Like I was a weak Christian and I needed somebody to help me. And so I bring, why are you saying all this? And I want to show you, Paul categorizes some of these people, and the people that I am really wanting to talk to today is this category of weak Christian. And as soon as you heard that word weak, you're like, that's not me, right? Like, that's not me. But in reality, guys, guess what? Every single one of us in our lives has areas of weakness. Every single one of us. And I'm, I want to speak to um, this, this category of, of Christian that you might consider yourself weak. And here's the big thing that I want you to hear, that you might actually be way stronger than you think you are. You might actually be way stronger and more mature than you think you are because in your conscience, you feel like you're weak. But it's because of this dynamic that we're going to talk about where God says, no, it's not this subpar kind of Christian weakness. It's just normal it's being a Christian. It's just called being a Christian, right? So maybe you're somebody like me, where your mind, it just seems to attack you more than it does not attack you, right? It's like there's this constant kind of even maybe anxiety where your, your thoughts seem to hold you captive. And there's this groaning that can happen like, oh my gosh, this is, this is really hard, right? And this is kind of what Paul is talking about, these types of of believers, right? Maybe it's just the unwelcome thoughts that you have, or maybe if we're honest, it's even the roads you you go down in your mind, okay? Even the fantasies that you think about, and it's like, whoa, where did that come from? Like, ugh, right? And, and in, in having those experiences, you can start to think of yourself as this like subpar, unique, kind of messed up category kind of Christian, right? And you can start to feel that way. And, and is anything I'm saying resonating with you at all, right? Like, like I can feel that way. And that's who I'm talking to this morning. And this is who I believe God has a word for this morning in this section of scripture, okay? The first thing that I want to just point out to you in Romans chapter 8 and verse 22, I want to point out something that Paul says that actually helps us to avoid this trap we can fall into in our mind. He says this, we know 
that the whole creation, the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And what I want to point out to you is how much of creation is groaning. All of it, right? All of it. Every single ounce of creation, everything about creation is groaning. Every single aspect experiences the curse of sin in this world, this side of eternity. Every single person. And so, and, and so sometimes the, the trap that we can fall into is we can start to think that I, that the sufferings I go through, the things I deal with are some other kind of category of messed up. And everybody else, yeah, I mean, you suffer, but not like me. And it can isolate you and it can make you think that you are this other kind of category of messed up. And I just want to tell you that is not true. That's what we're going to be hanging out on. But this next slide, I want to just, I want to just uh, point out something and ask you a question, okay? What's the first thing like that pops into your head when you see this next slide that defines Christ, your Christian life, right? That categorizes your Christian life. You look at maybe this top one, you're like, oh yeah, that definitely is the, the stereotypical Christian life, right? And if that's, that's what we're all shooting for is this right here. And if we're honest, we're like, well, I mean, this is kind of, this is kind of the life that I live when I'm walking with Jesus. Like, just put on the happy face. Don't let him see you sweat. Oh my gosh, this is hard, but keep smiling. Just keep smiling, right? And, and for some of you, it's like, well, really behind closed doors, this is my Christian life. This is what I experience, right? And I know that for a lot of you in this room, this is what you experience, this is kind of what I experience. And I just want to tell you guys, if we put this picture of the Christian life out that is like this, guess what it does to people who experience this on a regular basis? It can be crushing, absolutely crushing. And it can build that lie that they are some, some other kind of Christian, uniquely messed up and have unique struggles that are not common to man. And that's part of the lie. Right, but I want to I just show you another one. Go to the next slide, okay? And, but this is kind of the, the goal. And I think this is actually what Paul is doing in this section is what he is doing is he's painting a picture for us to say, guess what, guys? Part of the normal Christian experience is this. This is a normal part of the Christian experience. And if we keep trying to just do this and not acknowledge this, it will only deteriorate the community of Christ. In fact, I would make the case that you don't have actual community unless we are talking about this, right? And so what I think would be really helpful and what Paul is actually doing in this section, he's saying, look, this is genuine. And some of the people that are like this all the time, look at these guys and go, you're just, that's not genuine, <laughs> right? Like, how could you possibly be smiling all the time? And, and they're like, this is genuine. But guess what else happens? Some of these guys down here, they need to believe the truth that these people actually experience this. They do. But you know what would be really helpful is if the people that, that are like this in, in a congregation, but behind closed doors are like this, what would help is if they talked to these people about how they are actually like this more than they want to admit. That is the acknowledgement of these weaknesses, talking about these weaknesses. And you know what I think this actually does for everybody? 
One, it's authentic. It's just truthful Christian living. But two, guess what happens? I think all of us get over to this like, man, right? If I'm honest, like this is, this is a lot of my Christian experience. I'm an artist. I'm, you know, my emotions get the best of me a lot of times. And it's like, man, I have to, I have to deal with that, right? But, but like when I hear from people about their experience of this kind of category of life, I go, oh my gosh, like that was super encouraging. And we all go to this side and we're like, we are saved saints. You know what? Regardless of the, the, the groanings and the crying and the, and the hardships we go through, we are saved, we are saints and we belong to Jesus, right? And I, I think this, this is what we're talking about in this section of Romans. This is what Paul is doing. Is he's saying, this is a normal characteristic of the Christian life. It is normal, absolutely normal. So don't believe the lie that you are some kind of subcategory of Christian. If you go through life with this like, oh gosh, sin is really hard and deteriorating and, and it's just really hard to deal with, right? We all groan together. All of creation is groaning together. The second thing I wanna tell you guys, it's found in Romans 8.23. So the next verse, Romans 8.23 is that these groanings that like, oh gosh, like life is really hard, are, it, it can be an indicator that you actually have the Holy Spirit of God. Not that you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, but that you actually do. Because this is the lie, is when you're experiencing, you know, temptation, the domination of the thoughts, the things that go on in you and even outside of you, the, the family dynamics, the, you know, you gather around Thanksgiving. And for a lot of you, maybe it's a great thing. But like me and my family, I, we are so broken, it's insane, you know? And like, it takes a lot of work to even hang out with my family for Thanksgiving because of the level of brokenness. And I can start to think that, man, I think I am some subcategory sub of Christian because my, me and my family are uniquely broken. But here's the reality is that I can see those things and even acknowledge the brokenness in my family because I have the Holy Spirit of God. It's because the Spirit of God is living inside of me and because he's revealing things and because he's showing the nature of this fallen world that we live in, right? It's the people who do not have the Spirit of God. They could care less about whether or not they're offending God, right? They could care less. And so for those of us who have the spirit, guess what? There's probably going to be an increased awareness of sin. But that in, in feeling that you can start to feel like I'm a unique kind of subcategory of Christian. And that's just not the case, right? What does Paul say? Not only does creation like everything groan, but he says, we ourselves, we believers, we what? Have we have the first fruits of the spirit. And if you have the spirit, then what does he say it's going to happen? You're going to groan inwardly. Inside, this is going to be a normal, um, natural byproduct of having the spirit of God groaning inwardly. But here's the reason why you're groaning. It's because you know that this life is not it right? This is what he's saying. We're groaning as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. It's because we know that we have a brighter future. It's because in the trial and the hardship and the bombardment of our minds and everything that goes around, we're going, this is not it. This is not it. And there is something greater coming. And I just want that to come. 
I want that to happen. You know, in the previous verse where it says all of creation is growing, Paul is actually personifying creation. Like if trees could talk, right? If the earth could speak, what would it be saying according to these passages? It Actually, you know what it's saying? Maranatha means Jesus, come quickly. Lord, come quickly. That's what creation is saying. And these intensity, like the, the, the intensity of we see natural disasters and stuff like that, the intensities that we see, Paul says they're like childbirth, right? It's like childbirth. And so I don't have experience in this, right? But my wife, of course, I have three boys and she has, you know, plenty of experience in this. But what happens when those contractions come upon you? It is this painful like, I don't know, right? Uh, painful, painful experience. I can just watch my wife go through. I'm like, wow, that looks like it really hurts, you know? Uh, and she's like, whack, smacks me and like, get out of here. And no, I'm just kidding. My wife is awesome. She didn't do anything like that. But it's this like, you know, painful, painful experience. But what is actually happening in that experience? There is this intensity level that's increasing because there is life about to happen. There is new life about to happen. And those painful, painful child, uh, you know, pains, birth pains are the preparation for what is about to happen. And life is going to come in into this world. And that's what Paul is saying. Like all of creation is going through these birth pains and we along with creation are going through these pains. And guess what? It's probably going to get more intense before it gets any better, just like birth pains. But what we have a tendency to do is we can get fixated on the, the contraction or the birth pain or that intensity, you know, the circumstantial intensity. And we go, wow, this is really hard. But we forget, wait, this is an indicator that life is going to happen. Life is going to happen because of this circumstance or because of what I'm going through. Or we can believe the lie that because of this suffering or because of what I'm going through, again, I'm a subcategory kind of Christian. I must be doing something wrong. There must be something wrong with me. No, that's not the case. You are probably just groaning because you have the spirit of God. It's going to get even more intense, but that is an indicator that life is going to happen. We are waiting for the adoption of our physical bodies, for Jesus to come back and take us to be with him finally, once and for all. And we will be done with the presence of sin in this life, right? You groaning is not an indicator that you are a subpar, uniquely broken, horrible Christian. It could be just an indicator you have the spirit of God. You have the spirit of God and you are aware of sin and that's a good thing. You being aware of sin means you can go to Jesus and do something about it, right? But these groanings, we all experience them. I like the way that Paul put it to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 2. He's talking about the same kind of thing. He says, in this tent, he's talking about our physical bodies. What do we do? We groan, right? We're longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Okay, guess what? Random fact for you. How many people in here are 34 and older? 34 and older, right? So uh, when you turned age 34, your body stopped producing as many cells as it could produce. So you literally started deteriorating when you were 34 years old, okay? So it just happens. My knees hurt. Like I had a doctor tell me, yeah, like you're young, but you could probably get knee replacement surgery because your knees are so bad. I'm like, well, that's great. He's like, but I can't give it to you because you're so young. I'm like, okay, well, I will just continue to groan then, right? 
Like this is, this is our life, this side of eternity. And if you have the spirit of God, that groaning can actually get more intense because you know that life is going to happen for you. You know that something better is coming, but this is our experience. We groan in this earthly tent because we are waiting for our lives uh, to be redeemed by God, right? And sometimes, and this is what I just, you know, sometimes we can paint this picture of the Christian life this side of eternity as if heaven has already come. And we live in this already and not yet kind of state where it's like, yes, heaven lives inside of me because of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And there is a hope that I have that it, it, it supersedes my understanding. There's a joy that I have. But let's be careful not to paint this picture of the Christian life that actually makes people feel like they're sub-Christians for groaning, right? When in reality, we're like, guys, we're all in this together. How much of creation groans? All of creation. What do they do with it? They groan together. And all of the community of Christ should be groaning together in community, saying we're all in this together, guys. And the reason we're groaning is because we know we have a heavenly dwelling coming. We have a heavenly dwelling coming. So you're groaning. It could just be an indicator you have the Holy Spirit. It's not because you don't. It's because you do, okay? And here's a really cool, really cool uh, next verse in Romans 8, 26. Another promise that God makes you in this season. This is where the Spirit of God comes into our weaknesses, okay? He says, likewise, the Spirit, helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. This is an amazing promise, okay? This, this, this passage for me is like the big realization that when I'm groaning, it doesn't mean I'm a subcategory of Christian. It means I have the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is doing two things here. He's interceding for us. And what else does it say the Spirit is doing? He's groaning, right? Think about this with me for a second. The Spirit of God is groaning. And I go, well, wait a second. Like when I'm doing this, when I'm groaning, it's because I, I'm aware of sin in me. I'm aware of sin outside of me. I watch the news and it's like, well, there's craziness going on. And there's just this groaning going on. It's like, oh gosh. But then this says the spirit of God is groaning. How does that work? And we're in the Christmas season, right? We're coming into Christmas. And I just want to kind of get a jump start on that for a second, because I really think that the groaning of the spirit of God, the he does this because it's directly connected to the incarnation of the Son of God. So Jesus coming and taking on flesh and experiencing this life, experiencing a temporal kind of body that can deteriorate, that can get hungry, that can get tired, and that can get killed. He experienced all of that. He experienced the relational dynamic. He experienced, you know, his 12 guys where he's like, guys, like I told you this a million times and it's like, you're still not getting it. And he's groaning, oh guys, right? He's experienced all of this stuff. And yet who is it that we have as believers in Christ? We have the spirit of Christ. We have the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Christ is groaning with us. And even think about this, think about this. Maybe you're groaning 
is not even necessarily your groaning alone, but the groaning of the spirit of Christ in you. Do you think about that? Maybe you being in a broken circumstance and you going, oh man, like I referenced my family already. Like it's hard for me to be around my family for Thanksgiving because of the brokenness of my family. I have a brother, hasn't been under the same roof as my family for like seven years, estranged. I've got, I'm not even gonna go into all the details, but it is, it is hard to be around my family. And maybe, maybe when I'm around them and I see the brokenness and there's this, ugh, that happens, maybe that's the spirit of God seeing the brokenness. And it's not just me going, oh man, oh, this is so hard, you know? Maybe it's the spirit of God in me. Did you ever think about that? The spirit of God groans with you. And here it gets even better, guys. It gets even better than this. Not only is the spirit of God with you and he's groaning with you, but it gets even better. Look at what he says. When we do not have the words to speak, we do not have the words to speak. Guess who has the words to speak? The spirit of God. You know, there's this really great aspect of um, life that's like emotional health. And it's like kind of a new tool in my tool belt. And I've been trying to be more of an emotionally healthy person. And one of the things that is a challenge is, um, like I already said, my emotions can get the best of me sometimes. And sometimes I'm frustrated and I just have to go, okay, emotions aren't a bad thing, but they can be an indicator. And I just need to figure out why am I feeling this emotion and put some language to it. Like put a label on it. Oh, this is anger or this is something like finding a, a word to put on that. That's a very healthy thing. But guess what happens when language fails? And I have these moments where I'm like, I do not know how to label this. And I don't even know what to call this emotion, but it's deep and it's there. And I don't know what to do with it. Guess what? The spirit knows exactly what to do with it. The spirit of God knows exactly what to do with it. And he will take those words. And can you go to the next verse, please? He says, this is what he does. He intercedes, but he also says, he who searches the heart, okay? He knows what the mind of the spirit is, okay? And it says, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The spirit is speaking in ways that you might not know how to speak. And what is he doing with all those groanings? He's taking those groanings. He's saying, you know what? I know exactly what you're crying out for. I know exactly what that emotion is. And I'm going to go into the throne room of God and I'm going to stand there on your behalf. And I'm going to tell the father exactly what it is that you are feeling. And I'm going to take that feeling and I'm going to align it with the will of God. That's a promise. Isn't that crazy? Like for me, I'm like, what comfort when I don't even know what to say in these really hard moments, the spirit of God says, don't worry, I got you. Don't worry, I will say what needs to be said. I know you can't find the words. All you need to do is just groan. Ugh. And the spirit says, I will groan with you and I will take and I will put language to it and I will take it to the throne room and I will intercede for you. And it will result in the will of God. It will result in the will of God. And this is the big faith statement. And the next point that I have is that even in these seasons, God can take the worst kinds of emotions and decisions and circumstances, and he works them all for your good. 
This next passage in Romans 8, look at this. How many of you guys, we've read this passage over and over and over. We've quoted it, we've quoted it, we've quoted it. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And that's a really good thing. But think about the context of why he's saying this. He's saying this in context of this weakness and this groaning and this longing to be putting on our heavenly dwellings and, and the, the chaos that can ensue sometimes, right? When we're in this season of groaning and maybe you have even made decisions in that season that you're like, man, that was a mistake, <laughs> right? And like a lot of your decisions maybe are on this end of like, well, hey, just do the right thing. It's like, well, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying. And even if your family is really broken and it's like, you're trying to make the right decisions and you're praying and you're reading your Bible. And it's like, I, I just, I'm not sure. Right. Do you know what is my greatest comfort? It's not in my ability to even make the right decision as much as it is in God's ability to work all things for good in my life. That's where my hope lies. And in the realm of the spirit, if I've got my eyes just fixed on Jesus and I'm like, Lord, I'm just, I want to do what's right. I don't know. And maybe I even actively made a wrong decision. Hindsight's 2020, right? I'm like, that was, that was not good. <laughs> like I should not have done that, right? And God says, and you know what? In all of this, the groaning and the living in the presence of sin, this side of eternity, I will work all things together for good for you. I will. And what does that do in your heart when you hear that, right? Like, what does that really do in your heart? When I hear that anything I go through, the groanings I feel, the, the sinful circumstances around me, things like that, when I hear God saying, I will intercede for you. I will groan with you. I will take your words into the throne room of God's you know, presence and I will align it to the will of God. I am gonna work things out for you for good. And you're going, yeah, but I just feel like a sinner, <laughs> right? Why are you doing all this for me? And he's like, cause I'm good and I love you. Does it just not produce in your heart? Like, whoa, God, you are good. And does it produce a love? Or am I alone in that? <laughs> it, does it produce this like, wow, God, like you are unique. You are absolutely loving. Does it produce worship in your heart? Like there is nobody like you, God. You are so amazing and you are loving. And so it's producing in you love. And what does this say? God does for people who love him. It's this cycle. He keeps doing what he's doing for you so that you'll love him. And in your loving him, he keeps continuing to promise to do all things that are good for you. It's like this amazing dynamic, right? God will work all things together for your good, for those who love God. And here's my last point. We're going to land the plane with this. Okay, guys. Um, here's my last point is that the spirit of God guarantees your eternal security. In all of your experience and all of your groaning and all of what can be very confusing in life, this side of eternity, the spirit of God is given to you as a guarantee that you will experience the new life that he has for you in eternity. Guarantees it. He says this a couple of different ways. Um, in chapter 8, 8 18, if you back up to the beginning of what Paul is saying, he says um, this, what we suffer now, is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. What we go through right now on this like blip in the eternal timeline, our life, 
and the suffering and the, the groaning and the when is this life gonna you know, be over because we wanna be with you, Jesus, kind of thing. He says, this isn't even worth com- being compared to the glory that's gonna be revealed, to those, to the things that we are going to experience as believers in Christ. Like if you lit a candle next to the glory of God, guess what? You wouldn't even see the candle. (laughs) It'd be swallowed up, it'd be gone. He's like, that's like our life. Our life is like this tiny little flame. And then there's the glory of God. And it's like, when the glory of God comes, you're gonna be like, that is gone. Nothing, and it's not even worth being compared It doesn't light a match next to the glory that is gonna be revealed in us, guys. Like we have a bright and eternal future because the spirit of God dwells inside of you and it's a guarantee. The last thing that I'm gonna point out in 2 Corinthians, again, this other place where Paul is talking about this aspect. If you're gonna remember one thing from this message, right, let it be this, let it be this. He says, while we live in these earthly bodies, what do we do? We groan, we sigh, right? Like our our bodies are deteriorating. And it's like, gosh, this is really hard. He says, but it's not that we want to die, get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Like we know, like God created this body and there's there's, like, this is deteriorating, but we, we have a bright and eternal future. He says, rather we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. That's what we're talking about. We're groaning because we know we have a brighter future, right? This this being swallowed up by life is a guarantee. God guarantees you your mortal body is going to be swallowed up by eternal life in in having this ability to dwell in the presence of God for all eternity. Right? How do we know that's a guarantee? Look at the next passage. How do we know this is guarantee? Because he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who's more powerful than God? Nobody. He is preparing you for eternal life. You have it now because you have the Holy Spirit and he prepared you for eternal life. He has given us the spirit as what? Guarantee, right? Like a guarantee is only as strong as the person who gives it, right? Like (laughs) I could give you a guarantee, but it, it totally depends on my ability to uphold that, right? Like I could get a guarantee on my vehicle, but it depends on the be- the people who are actually gonna fix my car. It depends on the ability of the person to carry out that guarantee. But who is it that guarantees you this? The Spirit of God. God is the one who upholds his guarantee that you will be swallowed up in life. You will. Nobody is stronger than God, nobody. And this is what he is preparing you for. And this side of eternity, guys, this side of eternity, when we are, we're groaning, like this is hard. Don't believe the lie that when you're groaning, it means that you are some unique kind of subcategory of Christian. No, you're just a Christian. Welcome, right? Welcome. And, and it's pr- probably an indicator that you know that this is not it. And, and God has something more for me in eternity. And the more we talk about those things together, then we can together, it's like this counterintuitive strengthening thing. What gives you hope? What gives you hope? 
right? And a lot of times what we do is in the suffering, we have to find the silver lining or we have to talk about this, but this is the the hopeful thing. And sometimes just talking about your suffering with another believer is what gives us hope, right? Oh, I'm not alone in this. You're in this with me. And, And we can talk about this is not it. This is not it. You know that, right? I know that. The suffering is hard, absolutely not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. We can get through this together as a community, right? Those kinds of things we need to hear, we need to talk about as a community so that we don't believe the lie that when we groan, we're uniquely broken. No, that's not the case, right? And so I want to wrap this up just concluding. This was my great realization. When I'm groaning, when I'm experiencing this, like, ugh, it doesn't mean that I'm subcategory. It means I'm just, I'm a Christian. And I have the comfort of the Holy Spirit who is with me, groaning with me. And I just want to say this, guys. Like, I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 20 years old. But I had a lot of groaning before that time. I did a lot of things, consequences of sin, deterioration in my life, some of which I'm still experiencing the consequences of. There was a lot of groaning. How much of creation groans? All of creation groans, right? I did a lot of groaning before I knew Jesus. But I can tell you what, groaning with Jesus, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. And even if as a community, maybe we... we we fail, because guess what, guys? We're going to fail. <laughs> the promise is the Spirit of God will never fail you. The Spirit of God will always be with you. The Spirit of God will groan with you. And I will take groaning with the Spirit over groaning without the Spirit any day. And there are some people in this room, you've been groaning, but not with the Spirit. You've been groaning, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And he's saying, I want to come into your life and I want to groan with you. I want to walk with you. I want to change you. I want to help you. I want to save you. And some of you need to invite Jesus to do that this morning. Some of you need to just simply say, I have been doing this alone and I don't want to do it anymore. I want to do this with Jesus and I want to do this with Jesus's people. And you have the, the ability to do that today, right now, this morning. We're going we're gonna to spend just a couple moments in prayer. And I want you, if that's you, if that's you, I want you to just say, Jesus, I don't want to do this alone. I believe you paid for my sin. I believe that you want to be with me in all of my groanings and sufferings. And I believe that you have a brighter and better future for me. And you can do that when we pray. And and we're just going to take some moments and we're just going to let the Spirit do what He says He's going to do in these passages. And some of you might not even have words, and that's okay. And you just go, like, maybe some of you are going through some unique thing that you you don't even know how to pray as you ought, right? You don't even have the right words. But the Spirit of God says, don't worry, I do. I have the right words. And I'll pray with you. He's going to intercede with you. And so as we wrap up, I'm going to pray and we're going to have our concluding moment in that way, okay? So Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness, God. We thank you so much that you are you are with us. You are for us. Lord, that you promise to work all things together for our good. Lord, that in our groaning, 
you say, I'm with you and I'm groaning with you. Lord, I do just pray that if there's anybody in this room that's been doing that alone, that they would say, today's the day I want to do it with Jesus. I want to, I want to live this life with Jesus. I want my sin to be paid for and, and forgiven and have a bright, bright future and a hope and a guarantee of that because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in me now. And I pray for them right now, Lord, that they would just say, I want that personally. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room that are just going through the ringer and you are with us, you're with them. You're gonna get them through. There's a guarantee that they have a brighter future. Lord, we love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name.